Hello, dear friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. I'm Cindy Hevington, and I am your host. I am a mom of three from Montreal, Canada, and I have a PhD in neuroscience. And if you're new here, welcome. Please take a moment, if you do enjoy this episode, by the way, I don't want to force you to do it, but if you do, please take a moment to rate it and review it, whether you are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, what I do here at Curious Neuron is I share the science around emotional and mental health, um, your child's emotional and mental health, and yours as well. And I want to make sure that you have all the tools, all the science-backed tools and information to make informed decisions, decisions about your child's early environment that will impact their future. And a lot of that has to do with us and how we navigate our emotions and how we cope with emotions. So I want to make sure that I cover both you and your child. Today is going to be one of those perhaps uncomfortable conversations for you, or um, perhaps you know somebody who might struggle with this, or you are questioning whether you struggle with this, I have to talk about this because there's some research articles out there that just I haven't summarized yet and I needed to dig into this. So it's understanding the risk factors of parental child maltreatment. So what is it, um, you know, what sort of risk factors in a parent's behavior, their ability to regulate their emotions, um, their level of, of, uh, of aggressive behavior that leads to a higher risk of you maltreating your child, which we might not think of, right? We might just like get into parenting and not really think of what the risk factors are. And I'm going to spoil the, the ending of this. It's, it's about how we manage and cope with emotions, emotion regulation skills, which is everything we talk about here at Curious Neuron, which is what I've been talking about for years, because this is part of what I had studied um, during my PhD. I studied mental health and schizophrenia and how it impacts emotional health and how it impacts cognitive health or abilities, sorry. And I think that it's important that we talk about these risk factors and whether you are not a parent yet or becoming a parent soon, or you have an eight, nine, 10, 13, 17 year old child. I really do think that we should think about this because it reminds us that, you know, it's not just about our kids and their ability to regulate emotions, but it's about ours as well. And the, you know, if we ignore that and if we struggle with regulating emotions, there's a higher chance that we, you know, lose control when our child needs us to co-regulate. When our child needs us to be calm, we might lose control more easily and, and feel rage more easily or feel aggressive more easily. And we really do need to think about that. So this is a podcast episode that I highly encourage you listen to, um, whether you are a parent, a grandparent, uh, you know, you work with children, um, it's it's really important research. The article that I will be discussing or the publication is an article up on um, curiousneuron.com. So you could head on there and in the parenting section, you will see the article called Understanding the Risk Factors of Parental Child Maltreatment, Exploring Emotional or Exploring Emotion Regulation Deficits. You can also search for this online on our search bar or just click the link in the show notes. Before I describe this study, I do want to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute at the Neuro here in Montreal. Um, they support open science, and this is what I do through Curious Neuron. I want to make sure that all parents have access to research, research that we wouldn't normally have access to, and like this research that I'll be talking about today, and I really do think that it's important that we hear about it. 
even if some of them make us uncomfortable or we feel like it's pointing a finger at us saying we've done something wrong, that is not the goal of Curious Neuron. I want you to hear it and to say, what can I change today in my home? Or what can I change today in how I'm behaving or how I'm regulating my emotions? And how can I make a change in my child's environment that I know will you know, um, lead to a healthy emotional health as an adult, mental health as an adult, how these are important things and questions that we need to ask ourselves. And it's, I don't want you to feel bad. We, sometimes we don't know anything different. If we were raised in a certain environment, if, if we only saw it done a certain way, please allow yourself to, to be kind to yourself. If, if you had no other way of parenting and you listen to today, today's episode and you say, wow, I, I have been doing these things and I feel guilty now. Guilty means that you care. And I want you to take this, you know, research. And if it's a partner that you need to speak with, sit down together. And obviously the common goal that you have is to make sure you are nurturing your child's emotional and mental health and their well-being. So come together with that, you know, um, sort of goal and, and work together and figure out like, what do you need to do together or individually so that you can learn how to manage your emotions a little bit better and, and support your child's, um, you know, development. And lastly, if you haven't done so yet, please follow us on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. You can also follow us on Facebook, the same um, handle, and you could uh, join us on our website at curiousneuron.com. There are tons of articles that you can read. There is the academy that you can get PDFs um, like our Meltdown Mountain, which is our popular one. Um, And there's also the parenting bundle that allows you to have the um, webinars that allow you to understand your background and not your background, but your childhood and your child's behavior and how that's linked to emotions, everything you need to know that's based on science, obviously. So all of that is on the website. And lastly, you could subscribe to this podcast. Um, I'm also the co-founder of Wondergrade. So if you do need help, help, you know, supporting your child with emotions and coping with emotions, the app is free for two weeks and you can give it a try and offer your child these little exercises, these mindfulness exercises and um, ways. There's also a parenting section. So it allows you to learn more about how to support your child. Um, And there's a beautiful character called Ollie and he's so cute and you can squeeze lemons with him or paint rainbows in the sky. And it's really important for kids ages three to eight to learn how to do this early so that they can cope with emotions um, when they get bigger as, as they grow. All right. So this article by Mira Goli um, in 2020, so it's a slight, it's a fairly recent article, was talking about, uh, or they were looking at, you know, what are the risk factors for a parent, you know, eventually maltreating their child? And if you don't think it's common, um, well, in 2021, 4 million, 4 million reports of child maltreatment were filed in the USA. 90.6% of those victims were maltreated by a parent. And this is the American SPCC. So it reminds us that most often when a child is maltreated, it comes from us. And again, it's not to point fingers. It's because sometimes we're overwhelmed, we're stressed, we are overstimulated and we don't even realize the background noise and sound and and the mess and the clutter in our home is contributing to our system, our brain feeling unsafe. I've spoken about this a lot. I, I want you to understand how your brain functions so that you can support it a little bit more and that helps you support your child. So knowing how often it happens, we need to question what's going on. Obviously, there are other studies I've read where elevated stress in a parent leads to 
um, higher chances of maltreating your child. But this one looked at something a little bit different. What they wanted to do, so this was a study in Italy, and they wanted to understand, you know, if there are specific reasons a parent might be um, more at risk of maltreating their child. So this was a study with 186 mothers and 110 fathers. They were given questionnaires to find out how they feel and react in certain situations. So questions ranged from, you know, um, how do you feel about your relationship? Are you happy? Are you not? How often do you fight with your family? Are you confident that you deal with your emotions properly? How do you control your emotions and your actions? Because whether you're a child or an adult, your internal feelings and emotions will impact how you act and how you behave on the external aspect of this. Um, so they wanted to understand how they navigate these big emotions in certain situations. So both mothers and fathers, which is what I love about this study, were given these questionnaires. Um, and what we found from this study is just truly fascinating to me. So there was a difference between the moms and the dads. Fathers had a harder time naming their emotions and labeling what they are feeling and using words to describe an emotional experience. Whereas mothers had difficulties accepting their emotions and suppress them more often. Think about this for a second. To me, this was the most powerful finding that I've read in a really long time. Fathers have trouble being aware of their emotions while mothers suppress their emotions and don't accept them. And these two factors in the mom or these factors in the moms and the dads are what led to a higher risk of maltreating their child. So what does it mean when you're not even be, you're not even aware of an emotion, right? So you might be um, in a certain situation and your child is, you know, doing something that is overstimulating your brain or you your brain feels unsafe or dysregulated and you don't even realize it. You're not even aware of that. So what happens is often in these people, something happens and it triggers them and you say, well, I, I went from zero to 100 and I didn't even realize it. Or the action or the behavior in my child caused me to feel rage, like instant rage. It's not really instant because we haven't noticed those little micro emotional moments um, that have been happening throughout the day. So if our child is doing something and we don't acknowledge, right? So if we think of Mark Brackett's work um, and he talks about when well, this is the research based on it, but naming the first step is, is, is really naming the emotion and just saying to yourself, like, this is causing me to feel overwhelmed or I'm stressed right now or I'm starting to feel angry and irritated and irritable. Just acknowledging it allows your brain to say, okay, I'm feeling this emotion right now and this is where I'm at. And you could cope with that emotion a little bit better because now you should know, oh yeah, and I'm also feeling it this way in my body. And when I feel it that way in my body, you anticipate, yeah, when I'm irritated and irritable because of my child or spouse or friend or family member, whatever it is, coworker, it doesn't matter. Just acknowledging it. Then you can say, what are the next steps? Do I step away? Do I tell them? Do I voice that I, I, I need to step away from the situation? You take matters into your own hands. However, if you can't even recognize that you're feeling irritated or that you're feeling angry or that you're feeling sad, then there will be a moment of outburst, huge outburst, because now your brain's been accumulating this emotion and hasn't been dealing with it and it doesn't know what to do with it. And it just comes out, you know, tenfold, so much stronger than if you were to acknowledge it and, and recognize it much earlier on. So what they found makes sense. The second one with moms not accepting their emotions and suppressing them is kind of similar, right? So you're, you're aware that you're irritated or that you're mad or that you're sad or you're overwhelmed or you're stressed. 
but you're not doing anything about it. You're trying to pretend to be okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I need to move through my day. I have no choice. I have to bring the kids to daycare. You know, I'm alone when it's dinner time. I have to cook and they're screaming and you suppress and you suppress. And this is something also, I don't think I spoke about this study on um, the podcast, but I know I spoke about it on social media. There was this article about positive parenting and it said that this phase of positive parenting is pushing a lot of parents into burnout Um, and it's pushing them into burnout because it makes us assume that we have to be happy all the time and that's suppressing our emotions and that is not healthy suppressing emotions leads to more mental health issues more stress so we don't want to do that we don't want to pretend that we're fine when we're not now i know you might be questioning okay cindy sure great thanks for this information but i have two or three kids And when I'm feeling irritated, I have no choice but to come home and to cook dinner and there's still bedtime and I'm alone with them and there's nothing I can do. So what am I supposed to do with this feeling of irritation, right? Or this feeling of anger? Well, there are things that we can do sometimes when we're more aware of it. So just to give the example of my, um, when I realized after my third child that I was um, overstimulated around 4 or 5 p.m., when there was too much noise and too much running around and too much jumping in my arms. I had three very small kids at that time and I was cooking or preparing dinner, feeling complete rage, heart racing. And by the time it was bedtime, I had nothing left to give. My cup was empty. When I started acknowledging that I had this stimulation, this over um, stimulation around that time, I turned um, TVs off. I turned the music off. I gave them different activities. It was coloring rather than like running around. And if they have energy, we'd go outside. I would prepare for that moment knowing that that would happen and things changed. If it's bedtime and I notice that my kids are, you know, full of energy, I find ways that I can take a moment first. It Taking a bath, knowing it's going to take a little bit longer, but while they take a bath, I can have a coffee in the bathroom and talk with them. It's a little bit different. That works for me. It doesn't mean that it'll work for you, but we can find ways to release this you know, emotion that we're feeling. Acknowledge this emotion. You can say it out loud. I say it to my kids. I tell them I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. There are too many toys around the house. We need to clean up together. I don't get mad at them for it, but I let them know that the the clutter is getting to me and and that it's normal. It's okay when they've been, you know, asking or saying mommy like, you know, a million times and it's not even 9 a.m. I let them know that I'm feeling a little bit tapped out and we need to sit down and read together. So we sit together and, you know, even if it's five minutes, we just sit together, some color, some read, I read, or I have a coffee and I just take a moment to myself. We can't get three hours. I know that's the reality. We're parents, but we can get five minutes and we can practice mindfulness in a way that when we have five minutes, it's filling and it it fills up our cup and we feel good about it. And it recharges us, recharges us just enough to do what we have to do as a parent. So That's the whole point of not ignoring emotions and learning how to be aware of your emotions. And the study reminds us how important it is not to skip that step because that's when parents tell us we're going from zero to 100. And I know how many parents are going from zero to 100 because we had recently um, with Wonder Grade, we had this um, emotionally aware parent challenge. 350 parents registered, um, two were dads, (laughs) the rest were moms. 
And over 90% said that they were feeling rage most of the time. That is huge. That is a huge percentage of moms feeling so much rage. But when you think about what I just said, not being having to suppress their emotions, it makes sense. So I don't want you to suppress your emotions. I want you to find little outlets, small microwaves, you know, micro outlets, emotional outlets, whatever you want to call them, but ways that you can remind yourself that you matter and you don't have to power through this day. You can have moments where you tell your child, I need a moment right now. This study also found various, you know, characteristics. So in addition to the two that I just mentioned that were very specific to moms and dads, there were, you know, wider characteristics um, that led to parents who were more likely to maltreat their children. And maltreatment is, you know, verbal um, abuse or um, emotional abuse or physical abuse, which includes spanking and, and hitting her child, any sort of aggressive behavior towards her child. So some of the characteristics included non, non-acceptance of emotional responses, so suppressing their feelings and not accepting them, as I said, difficulty in distracting and performing alternative behaviors. So having a hard time moving on with work or childcare because of the emotions they're feeling. So this is another part of emotional intelligence or emotion regulation skills, which is once you've acknowledged it, how do you move past it? How do you get yourself out of that funk or how do you get yourself out of that anger? Um, lack of confidence in their emotional regulation skills. So not feeling confident that they know how to deal with their emotions and regulate them. So if this is something that crosses your mind, you know, it's a good thing to get some help, um, you know, some therapy that will give you some strategies, difficulties controlling impulse behaviors when distressed. So having a hard time restraining behaviors like yelling, hitting and throwing when they're upset and difficulties recognizing emotions. So not being able to recognize name or label emotions as they come up. These are such important characteristics of emotional health. And if you can um, identify or see yourself under one of these criteria, one, two, three, five of them, I was counting on my screen, um, but there are five. If you can recognize yourself or your partner, I really do encourage you to visit the website, kirsnon.com and click on parenting. You will see this article up there, understanding the risk factors of parental um, child maltreatment. Look at this article and read through it and start the next steps. Create a game plan. What can you change in your life? How can you start these steps? Can you read Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett? Can you read Emotional Intelligence by Dale... Dale, no, I forget his name, but it's, the book is called Emotional Intelligence. I'll, I will put the link in the show notes. Um, but, you know, these are all important things. So I just also want to say that if you recognize yourself in one of these factors and you've never done anything to maltreat your child, I don't want you to be upset and, and scared that you will. Um, it's important to notice that, to note that these are just some of the traits. There's obviously more. Like if you come from a family that, you know, there was a lot of child maltreatment, there's a lot. And also you can have all of these and still not maltreat your child. Remember that this is a study that is showing some relationships and correlations. It's not direct, It does, which means just because you have difficulty recognizing an emotion doesn't necessarily mean that you will maltreat your child. It's just saying that there's an increased chance. So I don't want you to feel bad about that. Um, is there anything we can do to help parents at risk of maltreating their children? So this is something that we added to the article on our website. And the answer is yes. So the study found that there were specific dimensions of emotion dysregulation for each, you know, for moms and dads that were predictive of maltreatment. 
And as I said before, fathers really struggled with, um, you know, emotional awareness and, and identifying their emotions. So if we want to help a father, or if you are a father listening to this, um, you can, you know, start by trying to become aware of your emotions and just really when you feel something inside, or, or maybe if you really don't, you can speak to a therapist about this and there's nothing wrong. A therapist is there to help you learn how to navigate your emotions. And there's nothing wrong with that. We do live in a society where men have to be strong and not display emotions. And we're learning now through research that doing that leads to higher chances of mental health, which is what we see in dads, right? So we need to be um, more aware and, and communicate this more with dads that it's okay to feel and it's okay to have emotions. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. And that's what we're hoping, you know, that's what I'm hoping we can communicate through this this research and really help dads understand how important that is. So there's a process of learning how to, you know, recognize your emotions. And I can't go through all of that through through this podcast, but really it's it's important that you do speak to somebody about this. With mothers not accepting emotions, it's important that we teach them, you know, mindfulness and not judging an emotion and feeling that you're, you know, weak as well, you know, for feeling a certain emotion or that it's ridiculous that you're feeling a certain emotion. Mindfulness tools and self-compassion tools. Um, Kristen Neff has a great book called Self-Compassion that you can read. I will put the, show, the link in the show notes. Um, you know, this is another important part, mindfulness um, you can practice through meditation as well. There are lots of apps that can help with this. Um, I think Insight Timer, Calm, Headspace, you have um, just, there's so many ways that you can learn how to be mindful. And what mindfulness is teaching you is just coming back to that moment. So when your brain is feeling um, dysregulated or not safe, you bring it back to your surroundings and realize, okay, I hear the birds chirping. I can feel the ground underneath my feet. I can feel my chair that I'm sitting on. I can see my coworkers walking around. I'm I'm safe. It's just reminding your brain that you're safe. So there are lots of things that we can do, but that's what I wanted to cover with you today. That research, such an eye-opener, and I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about this and that it starts certain conversations, whether it's in your home or outside your home. That is my goal, to share the research with you so that it can we know we can create an environment for kids that just helps them thrive. Thank you for listening to the Curious Neuron Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, please take a moment to rate the podcast and send me an, an email at info at curiousneuron.com. And I will, you know, tell me that you rated it, send me a screenshot, and I will send you a free PDF as well as a coupon code for the Academy and the Parenting Bundle, because I want you to, you know, keep the, doing the work that you need to do and keep learning about the science that will make a difference for your life and your child. And thank you to two of our, you know, friends here at Curious Neuron. They've given you discounts that can help you learn more and help your child. Pock Pock is an app that my kids love. It's an open-ended app. It is soothing. It is not overstimulating. It is the first app my kids ever played. That link and the discount code for a year off is in the show notes. And your mental health matters. And if you need help, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp.com has a discount code for you. I've put that up in the show notes. You can do some therapy online. You can choose your therapist. Speak, um, Pick exactly what you like in a therapist and meet with them online. It's important for you to start doing the work today to see the differences in your child, your relationship with your child and relationship with yourself as well. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening and I will see you next Monday. Bye.